Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Rhys and this is another episode of the 2020 Visions section of the podcast. I've talked about the presidency. The House of Representatives is basically in the bag for the Democrats, which means the one other uh, major branch of the, or major area of the federal government that is left to talk about is the Senate. Um, And that is exactly what is going to be discussed on today's episode of the Politics Unbox podcast. Yes, so in this episode it's time to talk about the Senate and what is going to be happening uh, in terms of the Senate races. Um, every every year or every two years there are a certain number of Senate seats up for grabs. It's normally about a third of the Senate every year, only 100 members in the Senate, two from each state, and there are 35 seats up for grabs in this particular election cycle. Um, There are 33 that will be up in normal elections, uh, and there are two what's known as special elections um, because of, um, well, sort of irregularities within the the rest of the the Senate election processes. So uh, in Arizona, Senator John McCain died, um, and someone was appointed to fill their seat, and they're getting elected at the next available um, biennial opportunity. And in Georgia, um, there was, I believe, a resignation from the Senate. So that's why there's a special election being held in Georgia and Arizona. But in the rest of the country, um, or in, well, 33 uh, states in the rest of the country, it is uh, the usual election. It is um, either class, I think it's a class 2 Senate seat election year this year. Um, class 1, class 2 and class 3, just the way they decided to call the the, the splits in... Um, well, splits in their, their Senate seats. So let's have a look down this ticket. Um, and it's important to note that right now the current balance of power in the United States Senate is um, 53 for the Republicans and 47 for the Democrats. Now that number for the Democrats includes two members of the Independents, in the Senate, or the only two independents in the Senate, but these are not sort of middle-of-the-road independents. Um, these are proper Democrat caucusing independents. They will they will always vote Democrat. The only reason they're independent is because sometimes they are a little bit further left than the Democrats. So Bernie Sanders, um, and I have forgotten the other one, but they are basically they are to all intents and purposes Democrats and will vote as such on most issues. Um, those 53 Republicans do include a couple of more more moderate senators, people like Mitt Romney in Utah, um, Lisa Bukowski in Alaska, and Susan Collins in Maine, but I will talk more about Susan Collins in a little bit. So let's get through um, these predictions, and for most of the predictions I'm going to use, again, Sabato's crystal ball, Larry Sabato, University of Virginia Centre for Politics uh, lecturer. He's a brilliant sophologist, a sophologist is a person who studies elections, um, he's made his career out of it, and who am I to to go against Larry Sabato? Um, got a lot of time for his uh, polling and algorithm work on trying to predict elections, and that's why I've chosen his forecast for this model of the Senate. 
um, because there are less poles out there available um, or easily available so I haven't been able to put together the normal maps I would do so I'm relying on a different website for these predictions but it is very interesting because according to Larry Sabato's website um, this year the elections will turn out a result of 49 Democrats 49 Republicans and there are two states in there that he just does not know which way they are going to go so let's go through these states we'll go through them alphabetically uh, but we'll do them in two different in two different ways. We're just going to try and rush through these um, to get to the the big meaty ones. Um, so there are a couple of these uh, a couple of these states where they are are rated as safe for the incumbent party. So in Arkansas, Senator Tom Cotton is expected to keep his seat for the Republicans. Uh, in Delaware, Christopher Coons is going to stay there as a Democratic senator, uh, seeking a third term. Jim Rush in Idaho, safe Republican. Um, Senator Dick Durbin in Illinois, he's been there since 1997. He will be safe for a fifth term. Bill Cassidy in Louisiana, again, uh, another Republican. Ed Markey, the stiffest challenge he faced was from, um, I think it was, oh, I forgot his name, Joe Kennedy III, I believe it was, in the Massachusetts Senate primary, but now he's seen off that challenger. Um, the Democrat is safe in his seat. Uh, in Nebraska, Ben Sasse is safe for the Republicans. And in New Jersey, Cory Booker is safe for the Democrats. Remember, he tried to run for president um, and he did not get it. In Oklahoma, Jim Inhofe is safe for the Republicans. And in Oregon and Rhode Island, Senators Jeff Merkley and Jack Reed will be being returned to their seats. Unless, uh, seriously, for all of these states to flip, you're looking at minor electoral miracles. Uh, in South Dakota and Tennessee, both Republicans will be safe. Uh, actually, in Tennessee, Lamar Alexander is not running for re-election, so it will be someone new, but it will be a Republican. Uh, Mike Rounds in South Dakota is running for re-election. In Virginia, Mark Warner will get that third term unless things go wrong, uh, badly, badly wrong. And in West Virginia and Wyoming, Senators Shelley Capito and Mike Enzi will be back into the Senate. Although actually Enzi is not running for re-election, so it will be someone new in the Senate, but there will be uh, two Republicans from West Virginia and Wyoming. Now, rush through the safe states because no one really cares about safe states. Um, it's a sad reality of the Electoral College and of the senatorial system that if the state is safe, then it's going to take very little attention from the media, it's going to take very little attention from pollsters, and, and voters there will therefore take very little attention. Um, but of course, that is the reality. No one really minds if they if they already know who's going to win it before the election happens. Not just think they know, really, really know um, who's going to pay attention to the result coming in from there. Where the money's really at, where the big uh, hitters are in play, where the presidential candidates are making stops and joint rallies, um, where all the money from super PACs and ad spending is being poured in, it's in these states, the ones that are not safe. Um, now, as with the maps that I put out, there are um, lots of different ways that have been, uh, been categorised. Um, there are only two on this particular one. Uh, it's likely and lean. Uh, I'm not sure what the percentages are to get them into that, but they've been categorised as this by um, the, the Sabato team. So let's have a look at some of these states. And we'll start off in... Uh, Alaska, where Dan Sullivan 
not the most exciting. The Republican is predicted to be likely returned, but it's interesting to see Alaska as a likely. Uh, we've always seen Alaska, I think, apart from two elections. Uh, no, I believe it's just one election since it became a state in 1959. Um, has Alaska ever um, voted for a Democrat? Yeah, uh, they will be voting Republican, almost certainly. It's just interesting to see it not being ranked as safe. Now, as we're going down the alphabetical order, Alabama. Alabama. Um, it's very weird to see that spot of blue on the Senate map in Alabama because, of course, uh, Doug Jones beat off a historically, uh, or rather beat, a historically unpopular Senate candidate in, I believe it was Roy Moore in Alabama, Back in um, 2018, that was a special election then, which meant it was only ever going to be a shorter term, uh, and his term is up for renewal. It is not predicted to stay in Democratic hands. He's facing a really, really tough fight. Um, like I said, you don't really see Democrats in the South uh, as Senate um, as senators very often anymore, and we don't expect to see Doug Jones back in the Senate as the Alabama senator after... Um, the new Senate gets sworn in because we don't expect them to be part of the new Senate. It is leaning Republican, but expect that vote to sort of shore up as the campaign moves towards its end game, which we are very much now in. Blimey, we've gone for two interesting ones in a row because Arizona, where Senator Martha McSally was appointed to fill uh, the seat vacated by the death of John McCain in 2019, is trying to fight for her second term. Um, doesn't look like she is going to get it. Looks like uh, astronaut Mark Kelly will uh, steal that seat away from her. Again, it's only leaning Democratic, um, but for the Republicans, the trend is they will not be winning in Arizona for many things in this election campaign. It will be interesting to see if that is borne out. Um, but Arizona very much in play. A lot of ad money, a lot of debates, a lot of media attention down in Arizona, especially for the Senate campaign and for the presidency. Um, the House, not so much, but for the Senate and the presidency, big things in play. But that is expected to just go to the Democrats. Another one expected to flip from Republican to Democrat is Colorado, where Senator Cory Gardner has not been off to the best of starts. Now, Colorado is becoming a more Democratic state in terms of how it's voting in the presidential elections, um, and it is, again, expected to be one of those states that just leans Democrat. Um, not a likely, but leaning Democrat. Um, so that will be prediction of no second term for Cory Gardner. Interesting, we have two uh, elections up for grabs in Georgia for the Senate. Both senators are up for grabs. Um, let's start with the one slightly more likely to get elected. Uh, David Perdue, um, who's been there since 2015, up for re-election uh, now. Um, he's served the full term there. He's trying to get his second. Uh, it looks likely he will just about cling on that. The one where all of the attention is at is the special election in Georgia, where Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was appointed to the seat in um, the start of this year, oh, she hasn't even been in the job uh, a full year, and she's already looking, it's only a lean Republican, and for Georgia to only be a lean Republican is a little bit of a warning sign for control of the Senate. Um, Loeffler was involved in, I believe, an insider trading scandal, um, whilst nothing has been proven, no formal convictions, no uh, arrests made. 
it has tarred her reputation. And um, I don't know how Georgians will react at the polls. Georgia is expected to be a swing state in this presidential election. And to hear that phrase, I didn't think I would hear that until at least 2024, 2028, uh, for Georgia to be a swing state. But it is going to be one of those centres of power. For, for Biden to win the presidency, he's going to have to perform well in states like Georgia, um, Arizona, Florida, that area. Um, and to win the Senate, Democrats are going to have to perform well in states like Georgia, Arizona, and, uh, well, not Florida, because there aren't any up for grabs in Florida, but uh, that sort of demographic of state. Now, our first toss-up is in Iowa, where Joni Ernst, who's, again, been there since um, 2015, serving her full term out, um, is not predicted to be having the best of times. There's been a lot of ad money poured into Iowa, a Democratic challenger, is putting up a good fight, and Joni Ernst has not been um, anti-Trump. Iowa, of course, did go to Donald Trump in 2016, and is probably expected to go to again, but not as solidly. So there is a waning Donald Trump support. So being a Trump supporter, uh, or an ardent Trump-defending senator in Iowa, might be her downfall. Again, that's why it's rated as a toss-up. Larry Sabato and the Institute just do not know which way this one is going to go. Um... Kansas and Kentucky. Uh, actually, no, let's just go with Kansas, where the incumbent is not running for re-election. Um, their seat is rated as a lean Republican. I expect Kansas to go Republican. If it doesn't, we are looking at a whitewash in the Senate for the Democrats. Plain and simple. Um, a fun one to look at is Kentucky, where um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, um, who has been described in less than glowing terms by many high-profile Democrats, is up for re-election. He has been a senator from Kentucky since 1985. So he was brought in in the 1984 general election as part of that Reagan wave, really hanging on the coattails of the Reagan revolution. Um, and he's stayed there ever since. He's looking for a seventh consecutive term. Um, yeah. At the end of that term, he'll have been in the Senate for um, 42 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it is interesting to see the Senate Majority Leader's seat not rated as safe for the party. It is rated as likely, but it isn't safe. And to, again, a couple of months ago, a year ago maybe, and we wouldn't have thought Mitch McConnell's Senate seat wouldn't, would be anything other than safe. So it's just interesting to see that lead waning. Ah, uh, now here's where the fun really begins. Susan Collins from Maine. She's been a senator there since 1997. Um, she is a Republican, but she has sort of made her name and made her popularity off the back of being a more bipartisan, a centrist Republican, um, able to cross the floor and vote on issues. However, in this most recent set of four years, thanks to the president, um, she has not been able to cast herself in that mould. She has become uh, a Trump defender by the back door if you will, and the people of Maine do not seem to be responding very well to that because up against her is Sarah Gideon, the former Speaker of the Maine House of Representatives. She may actually still be the current Speaker. Um, anyway, and she is putting up a hell of a fight. Um, so much so that the normally implacable and unruffleable Susan Collins um, she lashed out verbally. Um, she went on the offensive against Gideon. Um, Susan Collins has lived in Maine for, for years and years and years. She just is being seen to have changed by the voters in Maine 
and they don't like it, which is why the state is looking likely to flip in the Senate and go Democratic. It is only a lean Democrat, but it could be enough. Now let's move on. Uh, Michigan and Minnesota, both currently held by Democrats, both predicted to stay Democratic. Um, Gary Peters is a lean Democrat, uh, or his seat is expected to stay by leaning Democrat. Tina Smith, a likely return to the Senate after a special election in Minnesota. Um, that was in 2018. Uh, again, I'm just going to run through some other um, some other uh, ones that are expected to stay with their party. Uh, in New Hampshire, Gene Shaheen. In New Mexico, Tom Udall, although Tom Udall himself is not running for re-election. They're both expected to stay Democratic. Uh, in Mississippi, Cindy Hyde-Smith is expected to be returned as the Republican senator there. And in Texas, John Cornyn. Gosh, it would be an upset if Texas did not stay Republican. But now that leaves us with just three seats not um, yet talked about on this episode. And they are the seat in Montana, where incumbent Steve Daines is facing a challenge from the former Democratic governor. Um, it is in North Carolina, Tom Tillis, where Cal Cunningham is giving him a bit of a run for that Senate seat. And in South Carolina, Lindsey Graham's seat. He's the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he's facing one heck of a challenge. But let's start. Uh, let's start in Montana with Steve Daines. Now, that is rated as a toss-up. They just cannot tell where this is going to go. Montana, traditionally, a more Republican state, has had a Democratic governor for the last couple of years. He is now running against this incumbent one-term senator. Um, it will be very interesting to see how this goes. This could even have a bearing on the uh, presidential race as well, purely because um, if they vote for this Democratic governor, they may want to, to follow up and sort of uh, weaken that heartland support. And if it's happening in Montana, well, it could be happening nationwide for the president and the president's party. So interesting to keep an eye on that one. Now, Tom Tillis, North Carolina. He is on the Judiciary Committee, the one chaired by Lindsey Graham, who we'll get to in just a second. Um, but Tom Tillis has, again, not been having the best of times. I think he's just contracted coronavirus, or is at least isolating, because he was at that event with Supreme Court uh, nominee Amy Coney Barrett, um, and is a defender of Amy Coney Barrett. Um, again, uh, I'm not going to talk about um, the, the Honourable Judge uh, until the, the hearings get in, and then we can properly dissect what's going to happen, what's what's going on, where and when. Um, but Tom Tillis' support may well be waning away in a traditionally swing state. It went to Obama in 2008. Um, it went Obama again in 2012, I believe, and went Trump in 2016. It's been all over the place. North Carolina could be in play here. And again, this is one of the states rated as toss-up by Larry Sabato. So time to turn to our final senator to have a look at, Lindsey Graham. Uh, again, the chair of that Judiciary Committee, um, he was telling people, use my words against me. If a Republican president is elected in 2016 and there is a vacancy before the next election in the last year of a term, um, it is up to the next president and the next Senate. Well, now they are rushing to fill that seat with Amy Coney Barrett, and it turns out that South Carolinians might not like hypocrites um, because his seat has gone from safe to lean. That's downgraded twice in the space of a month. That's a big one. Now, Lindsey Graham has not been having the best of times from the press. There is a super PAC, a massive, massive super PAC uh, coming for uh, for Lindsey Graham. And 
it could well be that there is an upset in South Carolina on the night of November the 3rd and the morning of November the 4th as a result of trickling in. I will be definitely up to watch them. Um, maybe you will too. Um, but it will be quite something if this were to flip. It would be one of the biggest Senate upsets, upsets in history. But it is not out of the question. In fact, it is looking more and more likely daily. Anyway, that was what I consider a whistle-stop tour. Um, just to recap, at the moment, the balance of power is 53 to the Republicans and 47 to the Democrats in the Senate. Um, the Republicans have 23 seats to defend in the Senate in 2020. The Democrats have 12 to defend. Um, all it would take for the Democrats to win either three or four, uh, or gain three or four net seats. Um, because, of course, the vice president becomes the president of the Senate and casts tie-breaking votes. So if it's 50-50, whoever wins the presidency holds the key to the Senate. So three or four net gains for the Democrats, all they need, all the Republicans need to do, is just stop them gaining those seats. Um, a slim lead is still a lead, as we've seen uh, in many an election. But that is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unbox podcast. What I want to do, thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope to see you all again soon for the next episode of the podcast. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.